This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. In Paris. We are in the 8th Let's try that again. We're in Paris. We are. We are in the 8th arrondissement at the corner of Rue de Pontieu and Rue La Boitie. Yes, that's what we're going with. Yeah, that's what we're going with. And if we mispronounce, please forgive. It is Friday, December, December 3rd. Um, before. No, is it? I think so. Right, this is... No, yes? It's the second? No, it's no the you're second. right. You're right. Friday, December it's 2nd. It's the third you'd be at the convention. You're right. It's fine. I'm still a little jet-lagged. But we... So we're here because Amanda's doing Paris Manga. Paris Manga. Uh, with Richard Dean Anderson. Yes. Um, RDA. Tricky and Ricky. Tricky Ricky. And we have been here for... Three days. Yeah. And we have done so much. We're really good at it. <clears throat> We've done a lot. We yeah. got lost, and uh, well, that doesn't communicate that we're good at it. But okay, we got better at it. <laughs> we started by getting lost. The first day, we walked and walked and walked, trying to find Galleries Lafayette, and our phones betrayed us. Google Maps, and we walked into this wonderful district, a musical district, where we saw people making instruments. Yeah, looking through the windows, it was like looking into 1857. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, this is our first time traveling together. It is our first time traveling yeah. together. H- oh. How am I doing? You're doing great. How am I doing? Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Except for that first day. But that wasn't you. That was it your was phone. phone. That was your phone. Who let us down? But we did find Galleries Lafayette. Yeah. And all the Christmas lights. We did. Managed to. Managed to buy, a, a couple of gifts, for our friend, Nicole Oliver. Yes. Who you might have heard of, Nicole <clears throat> Oliver. It's it's amazing. So we are basically celebrating our friend anniversary. Mm. Our ten year friend anniversary in Paris. In Why Paris. wouldn't you? And I would like to take this moment as because I just want to paint a scene. We are sitting at the streets that Amanda named. We're outside at an outdoor patio, red table, the wicker chairs. We have our croissants, we have our cafe, American, and the cafe au lait. And um, yeah, like we've come a long way, baby. We've come a long way, baby. How would you say, so in our in the 10 years since I first met you, when I walked into the lobby of the Fairmont Hotel Vancouver, having really just watched all 59 episodes of Sanctuary, <laughs> and you were standing there, um, on the phone, and I didn't say hi right away, and you had like the long hair, and you were, you had the coat. And oh I was God. like, holy shit, there's Helen Magnus. Helen fucking Magnus. Yeah. Fucking terrifying. Helen Magnus, yeah. pretending to be Amanda Tapping. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, How has our friendship progressed? Well, we jumped into friendship right away. Very quickly. We had, a, we had a very intense conversation that first day yeah. about Miscarriages, miscarriages and mummyhood yeah. and 
and like meaning and yeah. what it means to be a woman a woman and an artist and a leader you know and constantly learning and also you told me you like to drive really fast <laughs> I learned a lot from you that day you like to get in your car and drive I do I like and to listen drive. to like audiobooks or something yeah I do I love driving it's well, what I found amazing though is that I walked out of there feeling like something had changed somehow for me oh. um, and because you know it was still very early in my time as a Vancouver film and television industry journalist yes you know and uh, and I had a lot of nerves going into that day because I wanted to be really prepared so and- like, something happened for me during that conversation but then also you know I felt like I, I had made a new friend and yeah. I didn't think you know because I was like Oh, you know, I'm in my 30s. You don't make new friends when you're in your 30s. Because all of Paul's friends are friends that he made when he was... Like, he's a friend from when he was eight years old. He's friends from high school. Like, you know, he hasn't made a lot of new friends in the last few years. But, like, that was the beginning of me kind of stepping into this community. And I was like, I think I made a new friend. And I felt kind of, like, (laughs) giddy about it, too. Because, you know, I mean, my, my friendship with you and with Nicole and with Sharon... Like, those friendships have gotten me through the pandemic. Oh, my gosh. Well, you and Nicole got me through the pandemic. And a bunch of other stuff, too. Yeah. You guys were the... Um, I tend to go into a rabbit hole. You, you, Nicole, and my friend Catherine, who I've known for a very long time, got me through some of my darkest hours and um, pulled me out of the rabbit hole that I often tend to go into because I don't want to bother people. I don't want to be a burden to my friends. Once I started realizing that you do that, like I, that's why I'm like, no, I'm, you're coming out. You're coming out. Or we're coming to you. <laughs> we're we're, gonna, we're yeah, gonna come and get We're gonna you. pull you out of that rabbit hole. And my friend Catherine said to me, you're, you think you're being a good friend by not burdening. Mm. I think you and Nicole also said the same thing, but in actual fact, that's what friends do. They share and they support and they, yeah. And like, you do that for us. Yeah. And then I, I'm afraid to put myself out there for that. But I do. You now do. I'm better. <laughs> good friend. It's like a parent teacher meeting. Yes. <laughs> Amanda is very good at being a friend. I think also though, the last 10 years, it's been really exciting to, to see your growth in your well, career as well. I yeah, mean, my career totally changed from when we met. Because yeah. I was doing Sanctuary, which was a huge... Well, you had just finished Sanctuary. Yeah, and it was... It was a huge learning curve being an executive producer, helping to put together a show, the partnerships with Damien and Martin, like hiring people, casting people. And I'd started really directing on Sanctuary. I mean, I did an episode of Stargate, but Sanctuary was where I sort of felt like I was cutting my teeth. And then it was after that. You got your BA at Stargate. You got your your MFA. Yeah, (laughs) Sanctuary. And then, um, yeah, and then I put myself out there as a director I don't know I think I remember saying to you like I'm at this sort of come to Jesus moment where it's like I've been on television as the lead of a series for 15 years solid like amazing gift but who am I if I'm not that girl? who am I if I'm not that girl that's you may or may not have seen on that television show somewhere I think about that all the time I yeah. thought about that that and you sharing that with me was amazing too because as I kind of had to move out of print journalism because both newspapers that I was writing for, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. you know, who if I, and like, you know, when the West Enders shut down, it was like, who am I if I'm not 
that girl, you know, writing for the West Ender. Right. Because that was like such an important part. And also, look what you've done yeah. since. Well, what that taught me, you know, it's like, who am I? And what I said is like, I'm still Sabrina Furminger, Sabrina Ronnie Furminger now. I've taken ownership of my middle name. I'm yes, still you have. that person who has like a passion and an interest in the people who work in BC film. Yeah. So my whole thing was, I don't want to. I don't want to belong to any one publication. I want to have my own. Right. You know? And look what you've done. 252 episodes now? Yeah. 54? 200, so, 250 many, plus many. episodes <laughs> of YVR Screen Scene, which has been uh, sort of a rallying point for people in the Vancouver film industry because you are the champion of the Vancouver film industry. You've been so supportive of everyone and you do your research and you care and you care that people understand what's happening out here because we're so often forgotten by the rest of the Canadian film industry. And so you've championed that. And you started that for me. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yeah. So in the last few years, thank you. I love everything <laughs> you said. Do you want to have a buddy or croissant while we're... I ought to. Yeah, you should. You should. Like these are not like no shade to Costco because I do like having, you know, a, like a five gallon thing of you know, of conditioner and shampoo. But these are not Costco croissants. Like these are, these are prop, we are in proper here. French croissant. Proper French. Proper French croissant. Um, very flaky, very messy. The best. The best. Yeah. No, so, you're good. You're Sabrina good. often finds food <laughs> perched on my breasts. Yeah, little, little chips right when we were flying Little chips, little really flakes funny. of food. Just land right on my yeah, boobs. Well, you're saving it for later. It's you're the boob it catcher. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. In the last few years, you have you, you embraced a new role, the producing director role. Um, oh yeah, um, fantastic show. Fantastic. I know show. I told you this. So uh, different and innovative, and so female forward. Their top six were women, and all incredible women. Yeah. And um, yeah, and for me to. Uh, I think it sort of harkened back to Sanctuary in some ways for me because I was so involved in all the aspects of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was scared. But, you know, I credit Elliot Lawrence and Kevin Messick for taking the chance on me. Um, I had directed the third episode in season one and had a wonderful time because I really loved the women and loved the story and loved the mythology. And then sort of went, okay, well, that was nice. Let's see what comes, you know, and then directed a bunch of other episodes of other shows. And then I got the call from my agent saying they're interested in you for the producing director role. And I was like, what? Out of the blue. And then I had a call with Kevin and Elliot. And Kevin said, arguably the nicest thing I think that anyone said in my career about my work. He said, and I hope this doesn't sound self-serving, but he said, you directed early in season one and your absence was felt for the rest of the season. Wow. And I was like, what, what? I was literally, I was so glad it wasn't a Zoom call that we were on the phone because I was crying. Wow. Tears streaming down my face and I was like, oh. And they were like, we'd really love for you to. Do you, sorry, do you believe it? Like when you felt it, did you did you believe? No. And you saw yourself? God, no, I had moment? massive imposter syndrome. But now I think, oh, okay. Um, but then, uh, I'm, I had an interview with the people at Freeform and Disney, and I think what nailed it for me, I think the reason I 
you know, ended up getting the job was in that interview, I talked about what's important to me on a film set. And what's important to me on a film set is that people feel safe, that the actors feel safe to take chances, that I have their back, that the writers feel safe, that I have the story at the front of everything, that the producers feel safe, that I'm not going to waste money, that I'm going to make my days, that I'm going to shoot interesting, you know, footage. And that the crew feels safe that I come onto set and I know what I'm doing. And that everyone feels a sense of joy, because we can't create without joy. And that everyone feels respected Mm. and admired for what they do. And I think I credit Stargate with that because I spent so much time on set watching what every department did and following them for month, you know, month I'll follow the grips and I'll follow the electrics and I'll follow special effects and I'll, you know, and, and just spending time talking to the crew. Stargate was the PhD in how to make television and watching a crew and much of our crew stayed the same for the 10 seasons, which is pretty fantastic. So yeah, that's really important to me that when I walk onto a set, I bring that sense of joy and that sense of, um, that sense of safe, yeah. that sense of it's going to be okay. It's, gonna be okay. <laughs> it's not only going to be okay, it's going to be really freaking fun. Yeah. And we're going to make some great television. And so I try to carry that as a gun for hire director. You have to read the room. <laughs> you know, yeah. part of it is plugging into the matrix of every show and every show has a different vibe. But I know that I need to bring a fresh energy. That's my job. Uh, especially if you go to a show late in the season when everyone's tired. And the actors need to know that I respect that they know their characters and what they're doing. So it's just, it, for me, the last 10 years have been a real education in how to present myself. And I walk onto every set petrified. So I remember visiting you, this you in a couple of sets. It might have been Continuum. Because I think it was early in the, that specific episode. And you were like, very nervous. Like I met you in the like the director's green room, whatever room they had given you. We, we had a, we had a, you were so generous with your time. We had a great mm-hmm. interview. But you were like I like before every episode that I directed anything. Like I feel so ill. I want to throw up. You know. Um, yeah, I don't feel so like throwing up anymore, which is good. Yes. But I still feel a sense of huge responsibility to responsibility to do the best job I can do like I never feel complacent I'm always super prepared which most directors are or should be but I feel more than anything um, part of my job is to bring a fresh energy so I mean I remember going to New York and doing blind spot and being terrified because I didn't know anyone except Martin Garrow and Martin wasn't there so when I went to my first concept meeting, they were like, oh, Martin speaks so highly of you. God bless Martin Garrow. Thank you so much, Martin. But uh, having to prove myself, and I know early in my career, and even now to a certain extent, there was, oh, it's a woman who used to be an actress who's, does she know what she's doing? Technically, I am so proficient in lenses and different cameras and different tools that I can use because I had to be because when I first started a lot of the you know a lot of the DPs would say oh no you don't want to do that you want to do this Hmm. oh no you want to do this oh no you no 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 no, that's not the shot 
or camera guys would literally change the shot. And yeah. I'd be like, no, no, I, I've actually edited the entire show in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I need. I know what I want. I know what's going to be, you know, the money shots. So, lack so of now respect for your expertise. lack of respect yeah. for the expertise. And uh, I know a lot of people come across that. Any director that walks onto a show, mm -hmm. especially established shows. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I've come a long way in that regard. And in terms of sort of the confidence that I have in my ability technically. Um, I know what I bring to the table is Amanda, but technically I have to also be, I feel, be proficient. And I love it. I love going up to a camera guy and going, you know, the 40 mil's not working. Let's go to a 32 and know what the difference is going to yeah. be. Or no, 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 I really want a 65 on this one. No, 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 you want a 50. No, I really want a 65. <laughs> and you're going to give me a 65. Yeah. Uh, and then, but also, here's the other thing that I've learned that I think is really important for directors starting out. I'm, I was so prepared and I was so nervous that I felt like I had to... When anyone questioned what I was doing or said, hey, maybe you want to do this instead, I would get offended yeah. internally. I would never externally show that, but internally I'd be like, well, what the fuck? I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then I realized as the more experience I got, the joy of that collaboration, the, oh, well, show me what you've got. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've worked with some amazing camera operators who are like, you know, what if we did it from over here? And when I started, I would be like, well, no, I want it here. But then I started to listen and realize that the joy of that collaboration and part of the bringing that joy to set is letting people show their expertise yeah, as well. Yeah. Totally. And so that's become something that I'm really cognizant of yeah. I have a mother language okay I, lo I love motherland um, and honestly the th I think the three seasons are all on Disney Plus so people can go and have that incredible journey yeah of all the characters on motherland which one resonated with you most wow there's so many strong oh. particularly women on that show it's really hard to say I would say General Alder Mm -hmm. uh, Lynn Renee's portrayal of General Alder blew my mind every day. Yeah. And if you got her in a scene with Demetria McKinney, mm. who played Anacostia, it was like watching magic happen. Yeah. I learned, even as an actor, I learned watching the two of them. Yeah. But the journey of, <clears throat> I think Alder I, I resonated with because she reminded me of Magnus in that she had been around for so long. Mm had lost so many people, had the burden of leadership and the burden of lives being lost at her helm yeah. and of bringing up younger, the younger generation and running the U.S. military. Like, <clears throat> so Alder resonated with me because it made me, uh, it made me think of Magnus. Um, now that you've said it, I see it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that before. Sorry, I feel like I failed somehow. <laughs> you, you don't fail. The, the last season, what was your, what was your favorite day? Oh, wow. Memorable day on set? The last season was really challenging. The last season was challenging because we had a lot of very upsetting mishaps. Um, Taylor had her accident early in the first season. The entire season had to be rewritten. There was a huge amount of stress on the writers. Uh, Brian Studler, one of my favorite humans, um, 
was on set with us all the time and <clears throat> he he did the yeoman's work of pulling that together uh so i don't know what my favorite day was i mean i loved watching Cheryl Lee ralph as the president oh yeah i loved shooting at the uh, bellwether mansion because it was just so beautiful i loved having amelia uller up in season three i mean i really really yes, you had that was so there's like i really connection. really wanted her to get that part yeah. and i was texting her saying okay bring more shiv to this bring more of this. <laughs> and she fucking delivered she's amazing um i don't know what my favorite day was we laughed a lot on the set yeah crew and i laughed a lot when the show ends like motherland ended do you did you do you read you absolutely grieve. Yeah. Well, because Motherland, we knew that it was the last season. Yeah. We knew what the last day was. Um, tried to make the last day about everybody. Shot the ending of the show on the last day. The very last scene was the last thing we shot. Wow. I don't yeah. know if listeners saw this, but that's and that was pl- that was yeah. planned so that we could have everyone together. You know this crazy magical ending and that was really special and then each of the actors spoke to the crew which was really lovely and after they had all spoken everyone sort of turned to me as if i was gonna <laughs> cast some pearls down <laughs> and all i went i thought everything has been said and this crew knows how much i love them and the cast knows how much i love them so my final words to everyone <laughs> was huzzah <laughs> that was it we did it uh, but it was very emotional, and I walked away feeling a sense of accomplishment, but also feeling deeply sad and knowing that I wouldn't see all these people together again like this. So that was really emotional. Yeah. Uh, and then I went home and slept. Yeah, it was. There's a lot of time during Motherland where we could not all get together as this, you, me, and Nicole because, like, oh, I mean, we've all like, been sorry, really guys, busy. something came up. Yeah. So and so has COVID. I'm we gotta move. I'm stuck in the rain, out in wherever, mud up to my knees. Um, okay, so we are about to. Um, we're gonna finish our croissants and coffee, but before we do, um, we're, we're heading to uh, to Paris to Paris Manga uh, today. We're heading to that area, and then like so Saturday and Sunday. Like, what awaits us? What's going on? Do you know? <laughs> I don't. I have the itinerary. <laughs> Paris Manga is new to me. Um, it is, unless I have done it before, and if I have done it before, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but Q and A's, uh, meet and greets, photos, which is, I hate to say it, my least favorite thing, but that's my own personal uh, insecurities. Uh, and then autographs, which is wonderful because you actually get face-to-face time with each of the fans, which is really wonderful. And you get to like connect eye to eye. Like I look people in the eye, we have a connection. There's a brief moment, but I think that connection is really important. Yeah. I hate watching people at conventions just sign and hand the photo and barely look up. I look up, I want to connect because these people are the reason I still have a career. Yeah. So right. during those interactions then, they're getting something from you and you're also getting something a hundred percent oh my god what is that i feel like i get way more from the fans than i could ever give them back oh yeah oh a hundred percent um because i get their story and even if it's a brief moment of you know my father and i used to watch the show together or 
Sam Carter made me go into astrophysics or Sam Carter made me feel stronger as a woman or Helen Magnus did this for me or I love this character on this show. And, and it's like a personal connection for them. And you think that people spend a lot of time, you know, with Stargate, <laughs> you know, 200 plus hours of television watching and then rewatching. So it's, um, they've committed, they've committed a lot of time and it's a very intimate thing. You're in their living room or in their bedroom, wherever their TV is. And it's, you're spending time with them, but they're spending time with you, but you're not spending time with them. So when I meet the fans, I get to actually spend time with them and hear the story. And so many people who will cry and tell their story, or this got me through, you know, chemo treatment, or, you know, there's a million beautiful, beautiful stories. Or people just like, I freaking love your show. It's so fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's... And you're going to be with Rick? And I'm going to be with Rick? Rick. I love that man so much. Last night was my first time meeting him after like years of talk, like people talking about him because he was a little bit newer. Um, so, but talking about their experience, you know, working with him, and he was he was not what I was expecting. What did you expect? I think I well, I I think I expected O'Neill. Like I think I, that's who I was right. expecting, and like he's just like he he's so he's funny. He's and very he's like, funny. Rick's he, very funny and very kind. <laughs> obsessed with dogs which i thought was great where we were sitting yeah, yeah every time a dog like walked down the street like he like told us and we all had to turn and watch the dog um and i i could tell that like he he adores you you know that you're like siblings almost he is yeah. um and i th i would say without hesitation that my friendship with rick is stronger now than it was when we were filming stargate amazing i know that man better and as much as you could know rick I know him better. I have a better sense of communication with him. We text each other all the time. We text, he's very, his texts are hilarious because he's, he's yeah. a man of words he and he loves his words. He has, he, he, it seems like he's, he enjoys using them too. He know, absolutely so does. He, yeah. he absolutely does. I, I hesitate to say, but it'll make him laugh. Yeah. He's a, he's a cunning linguist. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that would, oh, of course I I've said that to him. enjoy that very much. <laughs> But wow. he, uh, yeah, he's just like, just to see him last night when he came out of the elevator and to hug him and just, yeah, I really adore him. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, we're, we're done this part for now. Okay. Um, and I guess so, we'll so, talk more about we'll Paris talk, because yeah. we've had a pretty good adventure. Yeah. So maybe the next time we talk, we will be, it'll be after day one of the convention. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds awesome. Okay. I hate the word awesome. Why do I use that word so much? Oh no. Do you want to text it Rick sounds, for a better word than awesome? It sounds Incroyable. I hit record, I still put saw in my mouth. We, um, we realized we haven't mentioned a couple of things about Paris. <laughs> like our adventures in Paris, which are on our Instagram pages. But at what? Sabrina Arts, at Real Lives Mom. Real Lives Mom. Okay, so yeah. somebody took Amanda Tapping on Instagram. I don't know how to get it back. So now I'm real lips mom. Can I just call Instagram or can I DM that person and say, hey, give me my tag back? You might have been it. And then be like, they're like, sure, $10,000. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So real lips mom. <clears throat> um, we realized though that um, you know, we're sitting here in Paris. We haven't talked about what we've done in Paris at all. And we both, I think, had some very transformative experiences. Yeah. And, and also a lot of fun together as we well. Mamatre was yesterday. Oh, yeah. And we um, 
we didn't go into the Basilica of Sacre-Cœur. We yeah. went to the little church beside it and walked in, and we both lit candles for our loved ones yeah. um, who have passed, <clears throat> and our prayers and hopes for the ones who are still with us. Yeah. And then we sat and prayed. It was beautiful. It and was I, empty. I just, uh, yeah, it, I was overcome. I started weeping. Yeah. And... Um, my heart opened in that moment. It like, did. I felt the light go into my heart. It was beautiful. And what I also did in that church, this is quite personal, but I um, I said I want to release the anger and the pain and welcome joy, which sounds very tinky woo-woo and <clears throat> maybe a bit trite, but for me moment, in that moment, no. And even now, it's like I want to release pain and hurt and anger I have to let all of that go from a lifetime of, well, you know, we all carry pain and hurt, but try to try to release all those shards that are in my body. And in the holes that are left in the, where the shrapnel is removed, yeah. enter joy. And, and I really felt it in that moment, just, whew. and we both walked out of that church quiet and yeah. I think we hugged each other outside of the church 100%. and just, um, but that was, that was transformative. That moment was really beautiful and unexpected. We didn't go into the church thinking we were going to sit and pray. And, but, but I didn't we even know in. we were going to go into that church. We're like, hey, what's here? Oh, Amanda's walking this way. I'll walk this way too. Like, <laughs> I'm walking into a church. Follow me. Um, but it was beautiful. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Uh, so Mamatra was... And then, and then we walked down the stairs and we drank wine. Then we sat in a cafe and drank wine We've and watched the incredible, speaking of which, walking right past us, incredibly... Oh beautiful people yeah, in Paris fantastic. like uh, of all shapes and sizes and colors and, and ages and, and diversity and the in fashion and just the confidence with people walk here too like yeah. I want to inject that into my face you know? so we did that and then we walked and we, then we sat in another cafe down yeah, by well, I bought a sequin jumpsuit first Sabrina bought a sequin jumpsuit <laughs> you'll see it on one of her on one of the many events that I go to yes uh yeah, and then we sat in another cafe and did that. And then we went to the catacombs. Oh, right. I forgot. We did that yesterday. The catacombs oh. was so, it was silent. We were silent throughout it. It's remarkable and macabre and riveting I, I and frightening. I felt posting photos from there. I felt weird um, posting photos from there too, but it's also part of the experience. Yeah. It's but so just, humbling. It's very humbling. There You're walking past people's bones. Seven million. Like the, the remains of seven million people yeah. are there, and they are literally holding up the city. Yeah. And then after that, we went for dinner with Rick, which we was perfect <laughs> because we needed to uplift after that. Like it sinks you. You can't breathe deeply into your lungs when you're down there. Yeah. You, I felt like a weight and a heaviness. And then we walked out, and we were still feeling that heaviness in the taxi to meet Rick. And then the as taxi. soon as we saw in the taxi, <laughs> and then as soon as we saw him, it was like. Okay. Yeah. Deep, deep breath. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was incredible. I, and like, I just forgot because our days have been so full. Um, yeah. But also like so free. But that was the same day as when we went into the church in Montmartre. Yeah. Know, we had church, that. Like, the and then, yeah. The ca yeah. And then, um, yeah. And so then oh, we and our first night we went for dinner with my dear friend, Stephanie, who I grew oh. up next door to. So I've known Stephanie since I was five. And yeah, she uh, told us some stories. I was curious. <laughs> what was Amanda like? And, and so what Stephanie said is that Amanda is basically exactly as she is now. 
from five to now. From five to now. <laughs> the end, you're still very true. She, she say I was goofy. Yeah, well, I was finding different, but yeah. No, but it's that's true, and yeah. she's not wrong. Yeah, no. But that was wonderful <laughs> to see Stephanie. And then... No, we have to tell the story about when we were in the restaurant. Oh, so in the restaurant, <laughs> this gorgeous creature yeah. greeted us at the door. And we were sat at a table. We had this wonderful waiter who was really fun. Yeah. And then at the end, he came over to me in front of Rick, which I always find really incredible. And he goes, uh, to you, are you? He yeah. said to me, are, are you from Stargate? You're on Stargate. And I went, yeah, so is he. And Rick's like, no, 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 no. And then it turned out that the woman who had seated us was a big Stargate fan. Yeah. Can I have a photo with you? She was giddy. Yeah. This woman who had such poise and such a French. She was so French. <laughs> she was so French. Uh, you know, here you go in here. Uh, and then suddenly she's like, you're on Stargate, I love you. Miriam, shout out Miriam. Miriam uh, took a photo with her. And that was just like one of those where you go, oh my God, it's been 25 years since that show yeah. aired. And we're in this little bistro in Paris. Next to the opposite and Miriam just made my night so sweet. But that it still happens that people still recognize the show, which means that that show has an enduring quality that I don't think any of us expected when we first signed on for it. So that's been pretty spectacular. All right, that was a good little coda to our first thing. Now you need to eat your croissant. Well, I need to eat my croissant, oh my gosh. Sabrina. <laughs> Here we are after a nine hour flight. Yeah, first is... leg of our delayed journey. It's been pretty epic. It's been epic. Yeah. I think we're not going to get home for another like. I, wait, should I even say that? Like eight gonna... hours? There's no words in there. I know. I'm I want to cry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. So the last time we, we spoke to uh, the listeners, um, we were sitting in a beast outside of a bistro oh, in paris we were drinking our champagne so nice it was quite lovely and right now you can hear we are in the um maple leaf lounge uh at the toronto airport and we have we have lived through the paris manga convention we have lived through paris yeah, manga. and several meals with uh richard dean anderson who i'd never met yeah before rick who i uh tricky ricky rickety yeah so what was that what was the last time you saw rick before paris manga you know we were trying to figure it out but we're both so old we couldn't remember <laughs> no uh i don't if anybody's gonna remember it's gonna be you though and not rick i know i've learned i learned a lot about him i must have seen him in l.a but I know for sure we saw each other in Australia. That was about five years ago. Wow. It just feels weird because we text all the time. Yeah. Like I, I talk to him yeah. all the time. Um, what does it feel like when you, when you see him? Is it like, do you feel nostalgic or, you know, and for like a different time, you know, when no. you were doing Stargate or, you know, it's like, no. you're just like, that's Rick. I don't feel nostalgic for Stargate with Rick because our friendship is so much better now than it was when we were on Stargate. Like when we, we got along great on Stargate, everyone, you know, it was great. But um, now it's just a deeper level of friendship. Yeah. And there's so much water under that big old bridge yeah. that we um, 
yeah, we've lived lives. We've had children. Our children are growing. It's like, yeah, we're just that nice settled friendship of people who've known each other for 25 years. Yeah. I did not realize how much of a dog lover he is. So oh that was God. a revelation to me. Oh, oh, he was notorious. He likes dogs more than people and who can blame him? Yeah. Um, I used to bring my first dog, Abby, to set and he would literally crawl on the floor and play with her with all the dogs. He would know your dog's name better than he knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it, I know you're Abby, but you're what? We've worked together for years. Doesn't matter. Doesn't you know matter. my dog. All good. Yeah, he loves dogs. Did you know that over the weekend, um, hashtag Stargate Paris Manga actually trended? Really? Yeah, it trended in France. Oh, golly. Yeah. So what does that mean to you that, you know, the series continues to resonate? Like, what is, what is it, 25 years? Yeah, we started shooting 1998. So... Yeah, 25 years. Yeah. Does that surprise you? That it totally does. Nobody yeah. knew this show. I, I don't Maybe somebody somewhere did. But uh, the fact that it's enduring, the fact that the fans still come, the fact that there's a whole new group. Like, I met little kids who love the show. Yeah. It's still showing around the world. Boy, I wish I had a SAG contract. Mm. People are like, you must be so rich from Stargate. It's like, no, Canadian actor. <laughs> Um, rich, rich with memories, rich, rich with, with love, rich, rich with, with satisfaction. Rich with yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> I want residuals. Um, <laughs> truly, I mean, it's disgusting. It's yeah, like it's really the show is still, and MGM's not making any money. Um, but it's amazing to me that yeah. there's still a whole new generation of people watching it. I think for the most part, it holds up. It's a bit cheeky. Maybe not as politically correct as, you know, it could be at times. But I think that we, we forged new ground and because we did it with a sense of humor, yeah. it stands up. Yeah, you can't look through it. You can't look at things through the lens of today, right? No, like, you, you have know. to look at through the lens of the time that yeah. we made it. In the, you know, late night, 90s, early noughts. It was like... It was a totally different universe, really. It really was. Yeah. It really was. But to meet fans and to see people that I have seen over the years at different conventions see their bright shiny faces again was wonderful i mean paris manga was huge it was like fifty thousand people over the course of the in, weekend like one of the biggest buildings i think i've ever been in in my life like, that was a big building just to get us to like the other side of the building. airport hangar yeah oh very clearly very and clearly. they didn't turn the heat on yeah on i missed Saturday. day two i missed day two because i got a chill yeah, so I guess the promoter said to them, you need to turn the heat on. Yeah. <laughs> so they did it around midnight of the first night, and so it was warm. But then I think partway through the day, they turned it off again. Oh, um, the fans were amazing. They were so sweet. And so, <clears throat> yeah, see, I have a bit of a chill, too. Yeah. Um, so energetic, yeah. considering the lineups they had to endure. And, you know, they're yeah. really great. Yeah. Amazing. Um, humbling. I've used that word a lot this whole this whole week of, in France. Paris humbles me, you know, the, the city itself and the art there. Um, you humble me with your friendship. Um, meeting incredible live uh, screen scene podcast fans was humbling. And then I, so we have to say, we have to tell you though about like the most exciting. We made a new friend. Amanda and I made a new friend. We made a new friend. <laughs> um, and we will tell you about 
Uh, we will tell you about our friend. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to add a little edit in there. So our new friend is Robin Lord Taylor. He's the best. Hi, Robin. Hi, Robin. Yeah. So Robin Lord Taylor. People will know him primarily from Gotham, from I Gotham, would think. yeah. And you? Um, yeah. He did, one of, he did a, one of the Law and Orders. He had a role He's, in that. Um, I can't even. I don't even know how to describe him. He's like a sprite of light. Yeah. He's got such great energy. He's so funny. He's so present. Present and hilarious and kind and humble. He was amazing. We just had such a lovely time with him. Oh my gosh. And we also met Mark Williams. Yes. Who has, if you're British at all, or even, you know, if you remember the Harry Potter films, he played Mr. Weasley, he played Father Brown, he's one of the driest funniest men and yeah. we got to ride the car back to the airport with him it's and very exciting just made me laugh so hard yeah he's just like quippy he's very british Yo, the and driest. his sense of humor just made me laugh so we met really wonderful people um and we met really wonderful fans yeah. and the situation was i would say not ideal in terms of you know the size of the place, and the, but it was really, it was great. It, yeah. was, it was a lovely experience, and it was a nice way to cap a great week in Paris. Yeah. So I'm releasing this episode as part of um, our 10-year anniversary tour, and our <laughs> our friendship started when I wrote an article the West Ender, where that my editor, like, she, my editor was like, oh, I, I love my editor, because she started everything for me, started this whole path for me, but she was like, so Amanda Tapper, I want you to find out what's next. So I'm going to end this this episode with that question. What's next for Amanda Tapper? I have no idea. I really don't. I mean, I know I'm going on to a show called Dead Boy Detectives. HBO Max, Warner Brothers, Neil Gaiman characters, super cool, anamorphic lenses and cool transitions and a really neat concept for a show that I'm very excited about that I start uh, week after next. That takes me to the end of January. And then I don't know, I'm really hoping that Homeless, the project that may be a feature film or maybe a, a limited run series, mm -hmm. I can get that off the ground my other series forces of gravity that i've been working on for about 15 years <laughs> could get off the ground i don't know yeah there's a lot that's a that's a slow build it's a slow build there's a yeah. lot going on yeah but there's also i am in a different place in my life where i i i really want to do projects that matter to me uh, i don't i love being a gun for hire director but i think it's got a really jazz me i'm not so much into the idea of just doing anything anymore yeah. uh and i've been super lucky in my career i've done some amazing shows and i'm really really proud of the shows i've done and really happy to have done it but i'm at the point where i need to yeah. i don't know your intention and like go build my own ship and sail it you know oh how's that i like that we'll call this episode building our own ship and sailing it that's what we'll do well, I hope that you will continue to come back to the pod to tell us all about Always it. come back to and the pod. And then, like, text me a lot and, you know, you and me and Nicole can go and have our, our lunches at our special place. And, the hall. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Love, love you, me. friend. <gasps> we said it at the same time. We've done that a lot this trip. We've said the same word at the same yeah, time yeah, or the same sentence at the same time. Yeah. That's friendship. That's awesome. Yeah.
It's a sisterhood. Yeah. All right. Thank you for following us on our journey. Thank you. Hope you had fun. Bye. Au revoir. Au revoir.